ladies, and future millennials. <laughs> I welcome you to another lesson at the School of Wayward Nerds. My name is Toby DePola, and today we are covering one of Dixie's best kept secrets, much like I discussed when we covered Batman the Cult some time ago. This is another example of the 80s being an amazing time for comics, and some of its treasures being swept under the rug to make room for more fucking Watchmen reprints, Dark Phoenix sagas, and inevitably more killing jokes to sell next to the upcoming fucking movie. Yep. Great books are being forgotten, like Craven's Last Hunt and The Cult, and today's topic. This week we are covering The Question Zen and Violence, a masterpiece so lost to time it came out in. 1986 and 1987, and did not get a trade volume in two, until 2007. Oh, It's like 20 years. And has never been reprinted since. Oh, no. So this is a, like... Exclusive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Notice how it has the, like, two DC logos ago. Oh, yeah. Shit. Yep. So this week's episode is essentially a public service announcement about the question... Joining me is our producer and fan of the faceless fighter of crime, Kaistin. I am here. You are here. You are there. You are all goddamn Who everywhere. Are you? I am you. What's that? Is that a reference to something? No. What call is there? Am I though? Is anyone? Just say hello. Hi. Alright. We're making chicken till I it. Even better. <laughs> I was gonna throw a cat at you. You're gonna throw a cat at me? The whole table. And the fender. No, I am the hot knife. Knife is a good name for the streets. It's hot (laughs) water and cold knife. The coldest knife is a revenge best served hot Kyle. Wait, (laughs) um, how? (laughs) You got this. No one's breaking down at this table. Have you melted? Melted butter and just poking it with a gold knife? Yes. Why? <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of setup on this one, but I always find the history lesson fascinating with stuff like this, and I hope you do as well, because you're here. Um, we pick up our story in 1983. I could go back further and discuss the question's creation, but I will quickly say that he was created by Steve Ditko in issue one of the Blue Beetle back in 1967. When he some... I don't know how accurate that is, but... (laughs) He was more based on Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism. Uh, Lots of stuff to unpack there, but this isn't a character profile episode, so we'll begin our journey in 1983 when DC Comics buys up Charlton Comics, uh, giving them the rights to Blue Beetle, uh, The Question, Captain Adam, and a few others. Yep. All of which you'll find a lot of similarities to characters in The Watchmen. Um, Nightshade is just like Silk Spectre. The night owls share resemblance and aircraft to the Blue Beetle characters. Captain Adam is just Dr. Manhattan with hair, etc., etc. That is because Alan Moore wanted to take the old outdated representations of the superhero genre and pervert them into the gritty shithole reality of 1980s America. You remember the post-Vietnam War, the Watergate Cold, you know, the Cold War era of America? Why? Why do people one. do shit like this when things like Batman and Superman have changed, but they haven't changed like this? Like yeah. The guy's like, oh no, these characters are too old, we have to completely... We have to make them shit. Yeah, like, just fucking make them better, don't completely change them. Hmm. Which is a... Is you which crooked one? butcher? You yes. crooked butcher. Yeah, that's something we'll get into. Over the course of this, the, the whole thing of like the, one of the Watchmen characters is the fact that he is a Vietnam veteran, and literally everything he does like revolves around that fact, which was a pretty sore point for most Americans because a they hated the fact that they were there to the point that like military returning from the Vietnam War were completely shunned. Oh. Like, yeah, because that was like the... so in Australia for our soldiers, every other war has been met by a like applauding parade. When the Vietnam veterans got off the planes in Australia, it was deathly silent. Oh. No, no one acknowledged them. No one thanked them. Oh. No one like 
The Vietnam War was extremely controversial. Isn't it? Because it was the first war that they actually... Like, you got to see what it was. So it's the first time people were like, oh, war's fucked. So yeah. they realised all these people coming home had done bad shit. People knew the Holocaust happened, had but they hadn't seen it happen. Yeah. Well, it was That's that, a better way. That was mm. a main reason. And the other reason was there wasn't technically a reason for the war. Greek mm. history lesson. Communism was going from Russia to China and making its way down. And they feared it was going to get all the way to Australia. And then basically just become like this thing. And they needed a place where they could sit there and this is where communism stops. And they chose the 17th parallel, which is halfway through Vietnam. Uh, thus, you have North Vietnam is communist and South Vietnam is um, a democracy. Uh, okay. And it was basically just America being like, we're going to stop. Yeah. Oh. They literally okay. drew a line in the sand and then did a bunch of like war crimes and stuff. Oh, wow. okay. Bad stuff happened in war, but it's not the soldiers, so don't blame them. Yeah, they I think we've moved on from it now, but yeah. for a while it was like that. Yeah, so Alan Moore wanted to take all these old characters and put them in a horrible, gritty, sad reality. And um, editor of DC, Dick uh, Giordano, was like, dude, we just brought these. We're not going to make them huge pieces of shit, dude. <laughs> we, we just paid all this money. We're not just going to make them irredeemable. Yeah. We could, that'd be funny. Well, they, well, they didn't. So Alan Moore made original versions of everyone. That's how you get your Rorschach and your etc. etc. Um, a couple months later, Watchmen started. Um, yeah, a couple months right after it had debuted and was doing its thing. Uh, the question was given his own title. Uh, before... Before he was the editor of the Batman books and the writer that started the Nightwing solo title in the 90s, uh, Danny O'Neill was an amazing storyteller. He um, did the Green Lantern Green Arrow crossover that everyone loves. We're talking fucking Roy Harper's drug addiction. We're talking like the disenfranchised people of America, but characters giving them hope instead of just reveling in it. You know, all that stuff. Um, he added everything Ra's al Ghul to Batman. We're talking Lady Shiva, we're talking Tali, we're talking all that shit. So he's responsible for Damien. Oh. Hey! Hey, 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 hey! Oh. He had Batman get pussy. Grand Morrison made the condom break. Oh, Dick Grayson no. <laughs> is the worst Robin at the moment. Because he's Rick Grayson, the taxi driver. Oh no, how about his the new talent? No, I don't know. That's what happened. It's okay, we've only got a little bit longer and then he's back. Yeah, man. That was like the first announcement after Tom King left uh, the Batman head title. They got um, James Tinian, who we love, he's a good boy, and his first thing is like, we're going to fix Nightwing, and me and Carl are like, what? (laughs) Tom King didn't do that, though. Yeah, Yeah, I know, but like, whoever's riding Batman is pretty much in charge of of the Gotham City stuff. So we're nearly done. We're almost out of this. Um, Denny O'Neill, he also created Bane. Uh, he did Madam Web for Marvel. And then, and then he returned to do, uh, Fire? Hank Hawk. Hawk. Titans. Alan Richard. He's a good boy. Yep, and Denny O'Neill was now going to rebuild the question for a new era. Um, so you got, uh, I think it's Denny's or Dennis Cohen, he would do the pencils on it. Uh, the question was some of his earlier work, but he would go on to co-found Milestone Comics, which is where you get Static Shock and a lot of um, African-American represented characters, which was also bought by DC eventually. Um, he also would work on the Boondocks TV series. He may have helped the Black Dynamite animated series, or he was somehow related to it, doesn't know. Um, his art, like Denny O'Neill's writing, would carry realism and a dark grit, but they still tow that line like prose, like they never get eye-rollingly edgelord about it, like Frank Miller does a lot of the time. Oh. Um, oh, and you have a bit of a thumb through it. So I, I got it here. It's it's 80s, but it's not the 80s. It know? is 80s, but... Like, he's got a mullet sometimes, and he just kind of got to deal with it. You have to change your mullet all the time. 
Yeah, his mullet gets like worse over the course of the question series. I wish I had kind of sad much to watch. Hair. Why? You can build a lot with hair. Like, if I had all that hair, wow. Big old ladies' hair. Big old ladies' hair. I don't have that much hair. This isn't fair. You can just walk around looking like Peggy Bundy. This man has a knife. Oh, no. His eyes are ripped. (laughs) It's the wrong way around. Yeah. He got trauma face. He's ripped with his knife. So Dennis Cohen and Denny O'Neill, they would work together to shave away all the preachy bullshit that Alan Moore was writing about with the question character, um, and it's evident at issue one, which is called The Bad News. So, it begins with um, November 21st, 10.45pm. Charles Victor Zaz has exactly 25 hours and 15 minutes to live. Why? Yeah, it's just like immediately like, yeah, there's, there's a clock on this. Here's what's going on. But we don't. Zaz is a bad guy. I don't like that the question's name is Charles Victor Zaz because of Victor Zaz. It's very confusing. But after about. He starts to move into the Vic Sage name as he goes. Well, no, because at first, because I didn't have, like, a lot of background going into this comic, at first I was like, oh, is he trying to save Zaz? Yeah, yeah. Like, it took me a minute to be like, oh no, he is right, yeah, got this, back, back on fire. And as Zaz picked up um, notoriety as a character, he really leaned into the Vic Sage name. Yeah. Because the question has a lot of identities, because, you know, he had a long history in Charleston before he got to DC. Um, so the whole opening is so good, like, it's cinematic as fuck. You got old Vic here. He's chasing a, just a cassette tape because it's the 80s and those were important ones. And it's like this classic brute fight. There's no choreography. It's just dudes pummeling dudes, you know. A woman watches and stays out of it, but we'll get to her later. Uh, for now, he gets his tape and one of the guys asks, who are you? And the faceless man hands him a card. And, and, just, and he just, and he the, just leaves. Yes, yeah, it's just the boy. It's on fucking on Amazon Pro. No, the card's blank at first and slowly starts smoking until a yellow question mark is revealed. Like, that's begging to be the... Oh, no. It just, it begs to be the opening scene before title credits start. Yeah. Like, it's, it's exactly that and it's masterful in this way. To be honest, if there's a yellow thing, I You think it's P? It's yellow? I think green. Yeah, I know green's Riddler, but I still... think it's P. The yellow... That's fine. What is it called? A question mark? I was still going. Oh no. I wish they did. But if they got it wrong. No, that would be like if. You mean the Riddler? At the end. Oh shit. Um. Just go back and explain it. Batman begins. Yeah, when he gets the card. He gets the Joker card, and then when the second movie comes out, it's like, um. The fucking Royal Flush Gang. Yeah, if they just set it up back. Like, it's kind of. You think someone else. Yeah. I think I think that's another carryover from um the Charleston days. Because this is his um this is his like reformatting. They bought the character but just kinda of sat on it for a little bit. He did like guest appearances in like Metropolis and Gotham City a little bit, but nothing major. Um so I said the faceless guy there. So uh Kai, would you like to explain the question's costume? One moment. One moment. You wrote this. Wow. I don't have a thing for you. I have um, what you were doing. Okay. Nice. Well, Prepared. Um, he, he is a faceless man. Mm-hmm. Aren't we all, though? Um, he is usually... It's like if Slenderman wore a hat. A fancy blue suit. Most of the time. A fancy blue, like, a border cap. He's got the fedora game going on strong. He does. And he doesn't even like scars, so... (laughs) It's 80s. It's 80s, man. The fedoras were cool. And he's got a a fancy little buckle. That has got gaps in it. 
and a, and like a smoosh. Well, yeah, Which is that's most old Snoopy like no face face on. Yeah. Because he's just got like a skinless. I don't want to call him a skinhead, but he's just called like a skinhead. He has like a face of a morph suit. Yeah. And a gas like glues it onto his face. But the problem that he's having during this first part is that his face keeps slipping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what does he do when he's taking the mask off? He's blood. Yeah. Okay then. Yeah. Um. Yep, so when he's a news reporter, he does use the stage name Big Sage. Yeah. Which is where it sort of comes out from. And his suit, like, kind of changes colour a little bit. Yeah. So that he can look better. Yeah, I like that trick too. Like, he doesn't wear, like, a costume, but his suit changes for it's, the sake of, like, like it's real anonymous. Subtle, but it's enough that, like, if you were fighting a bunch of and then you walked into a crowd of people, you wouldn't be able to tell. Um, and when you first see him be a news reporter, you see, um, him use his cassette tape to, like, bring up a bunch of dirt on shit the, that the current mayor of Hub City is doing, because, uh, Hub City, every city is worse than Gotham. Bloodhaven's worse than Gotham. Hub City is worse than Bloodhaven. Wherever the fuck Hawkman probably comes from is probably another shitty stand. The Suicide Squad movie, so yes, it is the one. Oh, yeah, they had the Suicide Squad there. Oh, no. If you want to hear more on that, listen to a back catalogue episode. Um, yeah, so, as he's revealing all this incriminating shit, we cut to the other side of the screen, to the drunk, worthless mayor, a corrupt priest, a few goons, and their protection, who is Lady Shiva. Um, for those unaware, she was once a contender to replace Ra's al Ghul before Tali was introduced and before, like, the whole, like, oh, Batman, you should be my replacement for shit. Alright, so you had this chick trying to prove her worth for a while there, and she, she holds her own. She's, um, literally the best fighter in the DC Comics roster. She is in mm-hmm. Arkham Origins. She is. Um, yeah, she's like an unknown villain who's not to be fucked with, you know? Um, and they need this Vic Sage journalist to fuck off for the sake of their uh, shady stuff. Um, yeah, because that's what he does. That's his question is like, um, how Daredevil will, he'll do his court cases, but then he'll do his, like, other side of the justice system. Yeah, whereas Vic Sage does the same thing on TV. So he just goes and, and he's like, oh, he does like, oh, he's these guys are doing bad shit so that he can report off it. Sort of. So he does it for money. Oh, Technically, yeah. Yeah, but it is like, um, Daredevil is to justice, he is at, with uncovering truths. That's why he is the question. My question is, who the fuck are you? Me. I'm the one I ask frequently. Oh, okay. Um, um, so the following day we see Vic with his lover whose name is Myra. Almost put her last name in my notes, but those are, that's a last name later and I spoiled some shit. So I took it out. That's the lady with the big hair that I want. Yeah, she's got that big 80s. Uh, this scene really shows the arrogance and shittiness of the character, but it, it's done on purpose. Like I said, um, O'Neill, like, he needs to take the old character and modernize his beliefs and attitude, but that's the point of this first volume, is to, like, start with this preachy fuckhead, because he's Justin's gonna, books in the 50s were not written that great. He's got to make it recognizable enough that anyone that knows who the character is can pick it up, but... He's highlighting the traits that need to change. Yeah. So anyway, we go we go and meet his buddy, who's his oracle to a point. His name's uh, Aristotle Rodel, uh, or just Todd if you like. 
It's usually always cold, which makes me think of tater tots. And now I'm dry. Nice. Uh, he's the guy who makes the question mark and the smoke and the stuff. If you do all the things. Uh, he explains a bit of stuff about the question, where he is, why he is, and is it a good idea to be doing what he's doing. He's like, he's sort of the moral compass as well as the information he's, guy. He's the article and the outward. Yeah, he really is. You're right. Covers all the bases. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they talk about Hub City being a fucking dump, worse than Gotham or Bloodhaven. And the next scene plays it out a little bit. Like, we see one of Vic's informants, who is a homeless drunk who used to be a reporter he worked with, too, before his family was killed in a random shooting. That kind of got him on the bottle. Um, in the same scene, we have a cop get shot by a goon trying to assassinate Vic Sage and just missed. Yeah, it, it was like a. It didn't make and, sense. and Vic is a fucking ass about doing the cop's job for him. He's like, the guy's been like clipped with a bullet and he like scurries off and brings back the goon. He's like, just did your job for you, you fucking, you suck. And he's all like, man, shot, dude. And he's like, yeah, well, get get it together, mate. <laughs> That's not yeah. nice. <laughs> get. Yeah, he's um, he's dark and gritty, and everyone hates him for it, which is the fucking point. Um, he continues to arrogant his way around, heading to the location his informant buddy gave him. Shame it's a fucking trap, and all it took to bribe the guy was just a few drinks to convince him to turn on his friend. Yeah. Lady Shiva defeats Vic with no fuss because he's an old timey like just bar fight dude. Like he fights like fucking Humphrey Bogart in the big sleep or something, you know? And then you got this highly trained ninja assassin just karate chopping his fucking ass in. Mm-hmm. He don't know what to do. Um yeah, so once he's on the ground, the goons from the start of the issue get to have some revenge. Uh lots of lead pipes to the back of the head and stuff. Yep. Uh he's then shot in said head. And his body is dumped off the side of the docks. Uh, the priest, who was with the mayor, who's pretty much like steering that drunken ship of a man, uh, his name is Father Jeremiah. He claims that if this man resurfaces singing Danny Boy, then he can have whatever he wants. He's like witch burning style about it. He's like, Do you feel guilty about like doing like big sin? No. And he's like, Look, if he survives, then yes, but if he doesn't, then I'm. If God isn't stepping in, then I'm obviously on the right track, which is very dangerous thinking. Oh. And that's the end of the first issue. We see the arrogant, shitty version of the question duck. Which is both metaphorical and Yeah, it's a fat old metaphor for your fat old pussy. Oh yep. yep, and this is where the journey of the question really begins. Uh, Vic survives by some miracle. Um, I, I, they specifically like reference it as a scientific thing, where like all the air in your body just like sits in your brain to keep it alive, or as like a last resort to keep, you know, like, I think it's a, it's like getting trapped under a lake of ice, kind of. Yeah. What you get an eruption? Yeah, man. No, your whole body, like, slows down. You're almost cryogenically freezing yourself to the point where you don't drown properly. Yeah. Um. Your body, like, goes into, like, a coping mechanism, which, like, can slow down. Yeah, Yeah, pretty scientific for a book that came out before, like, you could Google that shit. Um, yeah, so he finds himself in a hospital, um, but he doesn't. He doesn't have the bullshit amnesia trope going. It's a much more realistic take. You know, it's good. Like, the guy is super disorientated. He's lost between thoughts, dreams, and memories. Uh, but the but the whole event humbles him, and that's the, you know, that's the fucking point. Um, this brush with fate knocks loose the arrogance of the old character. Um, his fight against corruption becomes more real. It used to just be an excuse. Like, he was doing it for kicks, but now it begins to actually mean something. Um... And Lady Shiva returns to uh, specifically to take him to his friend Tot's house to recover away from the hospital, where he could be found and finished. Yeah. Um. Uh, we we see why she does it later, but it's weird. Batman. Yeah. Um. Yeah. While he's re- sort of in recovery, one night Batman appears. Um. And he give and Vic gets the talk, like it's the Robin talk. 
<laughs> um, it's, I'll need you to kill your parents. <laughs> Put these little shorts on. No, um, it shows how well Denny O'Neill understands his characters, not just the question, but like later in the series, Green Arrow, Batman, like it's all stuff that he ran the show for after a while because he knows it all so well. Um, Batman has seen the question before, like he appeared in Gotham before this series and what have you. And Batman's pissed with this guy's just stumbling into danger for kicks to feed his own fucking ego. He has no training, he's never had a plan, and it's a way to get yourself killed. And the Bat talks about how stupid it is to risk his life like that. Yeah. Because he's like, at least learn to like block a punch or something. Fuck me, dude. All life is precious, whether it's the thief, the person getting robbed, or the guy stepping in to stop it. And he's just like purposely turning himself into a human shield by doing it. That's a, that's a pretty good bat. Mm. That's some good Batman right there. He tells him to shut up. Yep. Shut up or shut up. He, he says like the path these powerless heroes take is a serious one and if you haven't put in the hard yards you need to just get the fuck out of the way. And it's that's as it, like it's like a page and it's like oh, such a like good representation of Batman. Just just quickly snuck into this question series. Yeah. What does Batman like? Just like he thinks Batman's gone and then Batman's just on the other side of the room and like flips him in the air and goes, see you there. Yeah, I've got your ass. Like, you don't know what you're doing, bitch. Yeah, so um, once Vic Sage can, you know, operate outside of a bed, uh, Shiva sends a helicopter for him. Um, and Vic is a curious person. You know, he always has to answer questions. So he goes. Meeting a wheelchair-bound man in a log cabin named Richard. Oh, tricky dick. No, no. No, not Richard Grayson. Another uh, deep cut. Because for the the more nerdy fans of DC, you know, like older dudes. That's a mustache. Yeah, the more nerdy fans of DC will realize this man is a a guy named Richard affiliated with Shiva. He is probably a guy named Richard Dragon Kung Fu Fighter. <gasps> yeah. So no one on Earth knew that. Somehow Dino O'Neill remembered it. I like that he was... He was like a shitty goon, and he was caught trying to steal shit by like a Mr. Miyagi type. And he's like, train me to be good. But his name's Richard Dragon. Like, he's obviously going to learn some Kung Fu. Yeah, if his name was American Dragon and he just didn't have any interest in ninjutsu or dragons. <laughs> just walking around with... It's like if Mr. Freeze really liked fire. <laughs> he has a fire suit. He's a fire man. Like, this is destiny. Um, yeah, so he trains Vic in a Mr. Miyagi style until he's back to full strength again. Like, whether it's just wood chopping or, like, pushing the wheelchair around and doing shit in the slug cabin, you know how it is. Um, and then as a final test, Shiva like, steps out of the shadows and spars with Vic once again. And the results are a little different this time. Like, he doesn't... Yeah, no, he doesn't get killed. <laughs> and with that, Vic Sage returns to Hub City to find his killers and find out why. Yeah. Like, Shiva's um... like, hey, let's do a fight. And he obviously has, like, some competence in she's like good bye yeah she's i think she saw potential in the dude and then felt bad to see a priest like pop him in the back of the head with a pipe after he's already down because she says that like later she's like i'm here to protect you guys but i don't have to fucking like you oh she's very strong independent woman for an 80s yeah dude lady shiva it's a shame she's a vampire what? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a shame she's one of those female characters that got swept under the rug once um no one had any room next to Catwoman, Poison Ivy, and Harley Quinn. I'm reading a very book at the moment about women. Okay. Playboy magazine. No. She comes to suck your blood, but not be your friend. Oh no, she's mean to me. Yeah. Um. So we go into the mayor's home at this part of the book. Uh, rain's just pelting on the windows outside. 
And, and we see the priest planning to blow up a school bus. Yay! Yay! Yep, yep. because that's what... Because priests are like that. They're villains. Um, the they owner of the bus line... This is even before the big touching scandal. He's just a he's the villain, man. How come? It's a mustache twisting railroad put in a tied up woman on villain. Why is there okay. a TV show ever come up with a plot where it turns out it's the kids diddling the priests <laughs> and it's like a big trick and they're all innocent? I'm into it. Oh. Sounds like a bad deal altogether, but I'm in. Um, so the owner of the bus line doesn't want too much to do with the, uh, with whatever it is the fucking evil mayor's doing. And, and Holy Father talks about, about what Vietnam did to him. <laughs> Again, to come back to that. And how he believes he must make the world corrupt and foul, you know, which would make God have no choice but to return and set things right. So that's his mission. If I be the worst thing in the world, then I will You know when, it, when you don't pay attention to your kids so he, like, breaks a vase? Yeah. That's what this priest is doing to God. Yeah. yeah. Um, so meanwhile, another mission is working towards accomplishment. Not just the bus blowing up. But Vic is silently taking out guards in the rain. It's no longer a task of ego or glory. He doesn't even think about it. Like, what the question searches for in that moment is answers. Not kicks, not adrenaline. You just have to know. It's like a good ass detective. Can you even hear yourself when you whisper? Right, we're going to find out if that pops up in the mic later. <laughs> Um, so the father meditates in his room, um, and that, there's a dope moment, that's when he hears it. Do you remember how he talks about if this guy returns singing Danny Boy, I'll like, I'll give him whatever he wants? Yeah. So you just see him sitting there alone, and you just see the fucking voice bubbles sort of like come in. It's like the pipes, the pipes are calling, and he's just like, <gasps> Fuck! <laughs> um, Kai, do you remember the dinner scene from Batman Batman Year One? How it's, you know, like you've eaten well. You know, that, that big speech he does. Yes. I like this. This is like right up there with that. Yeah. Um, the faceless man steps out of the shadow singing Danny Boy as Father Jeremiah cowers on his knees. Mm-hmm. He cries out, like, he, he's like, You are dead! And the question just looks at him and he goes, Then what does that make you? Are you dreaming, perhaps? And he pulls the fucking father up by his stupid little white collar. Is like, and he's like, "What do you want?" And just this ominous, empty face. Fucking Vic replies, "I want you, Reverend. I want you to pray." And it's, it's not rapey. It's just fucking badass. Sexy. Mm, sexy. Everyone in the team, the uglier has no face. Uh, that's the best kind of sex. What does that say about you, there, Megan Chickenfoot? Maybe I have, have no bad face. face because Meg has skin. What? Well, no, that later. But you can have no face and have skin. <laughs> <laughs> no, he has skin face. Oh. He got skin face. Welcome to marriage counselling with white collar and the Meg. We're not even married yet. Wow, we. I was. Look at us go. <laughs> Look at the sky. Oh. The third issue starts with information being unpacked, like it's just more set up after the events of the the big ending for the last one. We see Vic's old lover Myra forced into a marriage with the mayor or else her kid'll get hurt. Uh just let the kid get hurt. Righto, she's already given it up to an orphanage, so what does it matter? Are we doing hypotheticals? No, not right now. <laughs> The mayor, who is so completely wasted at all times, while the reverend pretty much runs the show, uh, Myra tells the question about the bus bombing as a way to discredit uh, a few other shitty politicians or whatever. Um, question has plenty of questions to ask here, as he does. One of which being Myra having a secret child living in the same orphanage he himself grew up in. Oh, no. I know she doesn't know their lovers because he's got no face. But he's like, bruh, <laughs> the fuck, dude? Yeah. Um, so we, we go to the following morning and we meet the chaps organising the bus bomb 
making the Falcones and the Zuko's of Gotham look mighty fancy in comparison. Uh, a fat ass named Benno, his string bean son Junior, and Pedro, an unrelated goon. Yeah, Absolute studs. Pedro. Two pairs of pants among the three of them. It's great. What? Yeah, the one the fat dudes in underwear, he sucks. Oh, I thought you didn't say he was wearing a kilt. <laughs> no, the sharing pants. I love sharing pants with Benno. Sharing pants with Benno? That's what we should have called the podcast. What? I write it down. Okay. That's that's a good one. It is good though. Benno needs to be a kid. Same Benno Musto and he's fat with a mustache. I hate him. Is it a hot slug? No. No, it's greasy. It's a greasy torpedo of sadness or something. Yep. I do like them sadly. Oh, I, I was off the top of my head. <laughs> Torpedo of sadness. Um, it's pretty obvious that uh, Benno the father hates his son. Honestly, no one anywhere here seems particularly good, so whatever. Um, but before Question goes to check on the bus terminal to see where that leads him, Todd gives him a un- like an upgrade to his Question get up. Now the gas glues his mask on properly and it changes the colour of his suit, like Kai was saying. Like it, um, it's good. Uh, we also get to see uh, the questions. Shitty VW bug. Yeah, with it, it's a sports car in disguise. It's like made out of Ferrari parts and shit. It just looks like a piece of shit because mm. it's a sneaky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, much faster and better than it actually looks. Uh, he learns that there is one bus going that on that day because it's a public holiday. To a political opposition to our drunk little guy. Mm-hmm. That's why it's that's why it's discrediting the other dude because he explodes. What a punk! Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, so easy peasy. It's one bus. Problem solved. Vic gets to the bus and the van with Junior and Pedro inside uh, are right there. Uh, he beats the shit out of Pedro, takes his detonator, and then has to stop Junior from getting a backup explosive. Onto the bus again. Don't fail me, you little bitch. I hate you. Your mother died when you were born, and I'm mad about it. You fucker. He's like, I will not disappoint daddy. I'm sorry, daddy. I'm 25, but I'm sorry, daddy. (laughs) And then Pedro's like, We're a bunch of spare dynamite. Like, what cartoon character idiocy is this? Um, again, my favourite bit is, like, the cops after the fight finding Pedro and the calling card. You know, the smoky one with a question mark on it again. Um, after the chaos, like, Vic chastises himself, like, over just little details he could have done better. Like I said, he's, like, very humbled about his lifestyle at this point. But the issue ends nicely with him meeting Myra's secret kid. Um, another question he needed to know about was the kid. Um, he helps her and a few other orphans make a snowman. Do you want to build wow. a snowman, he says. And they said, let it go, or whatever. They said, okay, bye. Orphans. Oh, shit. Where's my money? Did you say orphans, where's my money? Hey, my orphans, where's my money? Um, you done? If we get a cease and assist letter, I'll be excited because someone heard the podcast. You want to Oh, So it's good to see him build a snowman without singing song about it. Um, my heroes need that element of compassion. Otherwise, like, what's the fucking point? Because if they're not doing it to protect people, they're just... Uh, uh, Christian Bale. Oh no. Yeah, it's funny, man. Like, Watchmen was answering this sort of question in its own way. You know, the what's the point? Um, <laughs> like, it's doing the same thing, but in the way other direction. It's like, you're right, there isn't one. We're all horrible rapists, pieces of shit, a lot of us. I don't think we're We're not, that's the thing. The question by Denny O'Neill and Dennis Cohen was showing us that they do need compassion. And instead of pointing out the flaws in them, they worked on fixing them. Which is why it's a special fucking comic. People should appreciate it more. Yeah! 
hey, we should be heartful for the future and be nice to one another. And everyone's like, Brr, watch me. <laughs> I don't want to be nice to people. They're annoying. <laughs> They've got guns and watch me. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, Big gosh. pussy octopus. Whoa. Spoilers. What? <laughs> don't worry about them. Okay. Um, and it, it goes on at this intelligent and action-packed pace until the series ends. Like, it's the same writing stuff from Zen and Violence all the way through the end of the Question series. Which is not very common. It's really not. Like, you barely see an artist make it to the end of one issue anymore before they've got a dude coming in and stepping in for a little bit. Um, and I wish more people knew about it, but um, where are we at for time? Um, yeah, we, we will obviously have to break this into two episodes, which is a bit of a shame because we're supposed to be in Spooky Month. Oh yeah, <laughs> you, you guys have to wait till next month, I guess. Y- yeah. <laughs> spooky Nothing. Month has been no, postponed. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, fair enough. But this is only night so... It's not like... Crazy next week's podcast. Trying to do on a Spooky Whoosh. comparison. Mush, Toby. I'm mushing. Mush. Mushing it hard. Mush. <laughs> Mush it, Toby. Ew. Yep, so we're halfway through Volume 1, and I hope to finish Zen and Violence off next week, because it's good, and literally no one knows about it. It's crazy. Um, Do you have any final thoughts before we go into homework? Because you, uh, you read this one. Yeah, I did read this one. It's, it's much better than one they it's very um philosophical, but also like it has good ass hero moments. Yeah, and it is a little bit confusing to follow at times, but if you stick with it, then it makes sense eventually. That was one thing I I found a bit disappointing in it is the the page layout. Yeah. Because normally you'll do setup, setup, and then you'll turn the page to a big reveal or a scene change, but this kind of does the scene changes like through the page oh, no, because it just didn't yeah it, it gets With, a little bit confusing it's, a, it, it's jarring but it's not jarring enough to make it a bad book like by a long shot yeah I think it's pretty the way the way he just seems to have smoke machines in his shoes makes for some pretty cool visuals like he's always got the smoke and he's just like his face is dude stepping out of shadows and, and mist at all times no matter what he's doing I get can they be made into, like, combat boots? Yeah, he's just wearing dry eye socks and his toes are broken. <laughs> yep, so that's good. Um, ready f- uh, any thoughts? Trey, what do you think about the question? Uh, he's just weird Batman. He's very detective-y. Yes. I don't know why someone at DC said, let's make a detective book, and someone else was probably like, you do know we already. We haven't been called Detective Comics. Greatest detective, and he's like, yeah, but I'm sure people want to read in the DC universe, this is probably the eighth best detective. Yeah. They were probably like, well, yeah, you Well, let's think about it. You you got the Batman. You got. All the Robins. All the Batgirls. Yeah, you got Batgirls. And then you got that one time Riddler was a good guy PI. That Riddler would be a good detective too. Yeah, because he's a smart boy. Um, I don't know. Then maybe the question and then Slam Bradley, like, way underneath all that. Commissioner Gordon probably in there somewhere. I'm I'm just a mean bitch, because I think that his entire character is a waste of time and it is the worst character design I've ever seen. It's just trench coat hat, no face. It's very plain by today's standards, but I do appreciate yeah, I, I don't like it, but that's cool. why I didn't call It's that old school noir looking shit, you know? Yeah, the thing that, that you don't like. Likes. <laughs> I like it, she's old. Does he like, beat women as well? Because that's also okay from back then. I punch you. Reverse. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, We're against gender stereotypes here. Well, Trace like sucks. Meg's dick. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So so no, he's a good boy. He built the snowman with orphans. The nun, the nun watching the kids ain't helping. She just standing there like a fucking bitch. Well, you, you fucking ask me what I think. I think it's shit. <laughs> well, there it is, everybody. Yeah, no. Three out of four. We could fucking hey, brainstorm a more original character and 
design. We could with you because you got that that autismo skill. No, because we're not retarded. What about the question? What if they put him in injustice? Then I would not play it anymore. Okay. Because he's so basic. He would get the shit out of him. He would do some smokies. Yeah, he'd be like smoke. Except he doesn't know how to punch, so he would just teleport. He would learn. The wheelchair guy taught him how to chop wood. So he could flunk this guy. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Scorpion heard Superman once, I think. Yep. Well, fuck, what chance does our boy Vic have? None, and that's why I like it. Well, he can just smoke all away. Ta-da. That's a bad fighting game as you leave. (laughs) You press a button and you escape and you're like, I did it. (laughs) <laughs> I win. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know if there was beef at the time, or even now, really, but this was a competing book to The Watchmen, and it had a lot of reverse beliefs to it. And aside from the character's usage, at one point in the question series, Vic Sage reads The Watchmen, does a bunch of Rorschach quotes, gets his ass beat, and he literally goes, Rorschach sucks. Isn't Watchmen, <laughs> like, insanely good? It's insanely popular. Dude, isn't it good? You haven't read or seen it, oh. so you can't tell. I have and different beliefs to it. To be really good? You'd probably like it. It's very cynical. I don't know what that means, so I probably won't like <laughs> it. It's meant to be good. Yeah, everyone talks about how it's fantastic. Yeah, well, I choose the question series over Watchmen. So I wondered what underdogs you guys prefer. You know, do you drink Pepsi over Coca-Cola, like some sort of rabid dog animal? <laughs> no. Do you like the DC movies over the Marvel films? Yeah, you, you, you incel. Of, Don't comment. Of, Don't comment your opinion defending those movies at me. I'm so sick of you. I'll get sad because. You never get sad. I'm just so tired of it. Have you oh. seen the Birds of Prey trailer, you guys? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Now you're in the firing line. We're all hurting and we're all doing the homework question. So, I don't get shit on. Who oh. wants that? Meg's not shit. Get the birds away from me. That's what poops on people, hey. Yeah, dude. Yeah, get them away. Hey, Kai, <laughs> what's an underdog you like? Do you think DreamWorks is better than Disney? Yeah. See the joke I did there, everybody? Oh, for, I, I, for all those playing at home, Kai likes this team. Better not. Shrek sucks. Come through panic and suck. Shrek good dude. Do you even remember Shrek 2? I still like Shrek. I only have one. James and the Giant Peach. Futurama is better than Simpsons. Futurama is better. American Dad is better than. Fuck yeah, dude. Good one. Family Guy used to be better than. Getting punched in the genitals. Yeah, but now. American Dad does that sweet, let's just lean into the nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> it just fucking rolls so good. It's clean, bro. Yeah. What, what about you, Kai? Do you have a thing? You got one? Um. Do you like a taco over a burger or something? No, you eat a burger. Any fast food burger. I like Red Rooster over KFC. That's not what I was going to say. Any fast food ever, including one out of the bin. Better than McDonald's. Yeah, bin chicken. Well, Hungry Jack's definitely better than McDonald's. If you go to the one. What's that called in? You have to go to the big one in town. America should change its name to Big Town. Big Town? It's huge, man. It's one big street. Um, my my pick was Crash Team Racing is a shit ton better than Mario Kart will ever be. Mario Kart's built. Yeah, but look, we got like eight or nine fucking versions, and we're like the same every time. And we suck annually. Everyone's a fucking bobblehead. It's great. Google Muppet Race Mania. Just look at how ridiculously bouncy everyone is. They're like hentai yeah, groups. Like yeah. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> well. Can't really go higher than that, <laughs> so... My favourite underdog thing is Toby's cool. Oh. Just, just Toby over anyone else. No. No, it's anyone else. Also, I'm the better one over all the other people. No. Yeah, I agree. Aww. There you have it, folks. <laughs> the first half of Zen and Violence. 
I hope we inspired a few people to uh, go looking for the series because it's a truly great one. It's also hard to come by, as I said at the start. What the fuck? Um. Okay. Um. If you like what we did this week, let us know by subscribing or or rating the podcast, all that fun stuff. Whether you liked it or not, just review us. I don't care. Well, you can email us. Now we check our email for you. Do we? I know. Oh, no. Shit, bitch. Thomas does not email us. Oh, oh. He must have he didn't like it. Oh. He didn't like what we did. He didn't like that thing that none of us know about. We tried so hard. And Goss. No, so we didn't get far. Wait, I was, was going to Lincoln sorry. Park it, but it'd be a lie. Oh. You can, you can, you can email us at schoolforwaywoodnerds at gmail.com. If you Google yeah. school for hot dogs, we will not come out. Someone else will deal with it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it it does the um it does the iTunes algorithms or what have you. So you know, do all that stuff. It's good. I don't understand it, but I appreciate each and everyone listening to this horrible crap. I do check it out. Like last night, there was someone that downloaded um one of our episodes from Hungary at four a.m. Wow, thank you. Was it four a.m. there? Or here? I don't know. It just on my. Well, if he'd goddamn review us and tell him what time it was when he reviewed it, I'd be able to figure it out. What? You know the name? For all those playing at home, the title of the episode is usually an out of context thing, and we didn't really do a team episode completely about Liam Neeson. Did we do a Liam Neeson episode? No, you asked us. You'll have to listen to all of our episodes. Go back and check them all. I was going to say starting at the Joker Origins, but with uh, the movie upcoming, that's probably a good one to hit up before going into that film. Liam Neeson is jealous. Of who? God damn it, now I need... Listen to the episode. He's jealous of the He came out in 2017, which is the weirder thing of that. old. He's jealous of the teens because you don't have one. Oh! Liam Neeson doesn't give a thing. He knows where you are. His pre-cum alone can fill up a <laughs> there you have it. Oh no, I did all that. That's done. He's jealous of like Qui Gon Jin more like Qui Gon to the gym. <laughs> My name has been Toby Apollo. I've been joined by Ty Steve. Or I've been joined by White Collar, who point his balls at the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's still time. <laughs> the party ain't over. The party doesn't start till Kesha shows up. And she, and she doesn't oh, visit what? no more. White, uh, White Collar and Megan Chiquitillo. Thanks for showing up on short notice <laughs> without any research whatsoever. But you slice your thigh good. Research all I do, you guys. Alright, everybody. Build a snowman. Class dismissed.